Hey, what's up, man? Fam, Kent here. We hope you enjoy this special throwback episode discussing 1982's Blade Runner. If you like what you hear and you want to hear more throwback episodes, check out our VIP feed at patreon.com slash madaboutmovies. Over there, you get more throwbacks, bonus episodes, special content, exclusive merch, live Q&As, and more. You can have access to all that and more for as little as $1 per week. So if you like what you hear, check us out. Patreon.com slash madaboutmovies. And if not, enjoy the episode. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. I have a question for you, Brian Gill. Yes, Kento? Do androids dream of electric sheep? Well, that's what we're here to solve. That's the biggest question of my life. Mm-hmm. Every day I wake up with that thought in my mind. It helps that you have an electric sheep actually in your room. Yeah, obviously. To remind you of it every day. It's pretty normal. And you wake up on the left side of your bed. Mm -hmm. It's just an electric sheep. Well, Blade Runner Mm -hmm. is coming back in the form of a sequel, reboot, something from Denny. Here. And and I guess here very soon, this fall. And uh, we're going to dive now into a little throwback. Thank you to our Mam Fam for checking out this throwback episode. Normally, we break down movies of the week, whatever is current, but occasionally we like to throw it back. That's right. And celebrate an anniversary or discuss a movie that's got a reboot or sequel coming out, uh, something that might be relevant to today. I love that this is early in the 21st century. Yeah, this is like 2019. Next year. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're a year and a half removed from the dystopian future portrayed. And- Honestly. Honestly, I mean, we I'll we might be. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of the point, I think, with Blade Runner 2049. is It's just yeah. projecting 30 years from now what's going to... I'm assuming it's going to be 30 years after what this looked like mm-hmm. in their 2019 as opposed to our yeah. 2019 because we're going to be a way worse shape than <laughs> what this world is. We haven't even gotten off world yet. What's the point? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, Blade Runner 2049... Again, being rebooted or sequelized. Yeah, can't um, wait. This movie. It's three and, and a half hours long, though. You guys ready for Are that? you serious? Yeah, it's long. It's long. It's the over newer? three hours. Yeah, that's what I've heard. <sighs> Why is that? I don't know. This is oh, not going to get cut down between I think this end, is two hours, isn't it? Yeah, this is spot on two hours. Come on, Denny. Let's see. I'll get the runtime here. I, I don't see a runtime. There was a big... 163 minutes. You're okay. right. So not quite two hours, three hours, but still. That's a lot. It's a long movie. That is a I'm long not movie. In, I'm not Arrival was long, to too, though. Yeah. And it was good, so. I'm okay with length of a movie as long as it's worth that. As long as it's good. Yeah, yeah I'm, I, but I, the older I get, the more or less okay I am mm-hmm. with it. Even you if get, it has to be perfect. It has to be Saving Private Ryan To go me, over two and a half hours, yeah. yeah. It has to be perfect. But nonetheless, Blade Runner has been called perfect by a lot of people. Which um, director's cut is this? 14, 15? I have no idea. I honestly don't know which version this, this is. There are 15 versions. Yeah. Eight, the, the eight o- official versions, I believe. The eight, the 07 version is was called the definitive yeah, the version, final the final cut, which is the un, uncut director's cut version, mm-hmm. where they told um, Ridley, here you go, just do, do what you want yeah. with this version, and we'll release it on DVD. Do this big anniversary for it, man! And um, I've been told by some 
that it's the definitive version, in fact. But I do not know which version the one I watched for this episode right. is. So I yeah. would hate it's to. Hard to. I want to know why, with all this future technology that we're going to build in a year and a half, why we went back to the square monitor with just green text on it. I'm excited that's for that, the, though. That's what we yeah. talk about. In, <laughs> and we talked about that in Alien, and we talked about that um, in a couple of these other throwbacks, is that that's always seems to be the mm-hmm. one thing they get wrong, yeah. is computer technology. Computer technology. Couldn't envision it. Can't envision they it. They could vision space. Mm-hmm. They could envi- it's funny, because how simple that... Not that it's simple, obviously, the internet and graphical technology, right. but to actually think... We'll be able to fly in the space. We'll be able to build complete worlds everywhere and to just hyperdrive everything. Yeah. But we will never get color on yeah. these monitors <laughs> like our TV monitors yeah. already have. Yeah. By the way, our TV monitors right. are already in color, yeah. but they're like... Mm. Yeah. Commodore 64 is as I mean, good as it gets. We could yeah. theoretically... Yes, yeah. we could put it in color on the monitor, but that would cost a million dollars per. Right. I mean, there's just it, no way. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> like either that... Six years later. Yeah. Yeah. It's either that or... They're trying to portray a future that we've declined, and we're yeah. we're relegated to the most enterprise version mm-hmm. of what computers sure. can yeah. be. There's some of that to this, especially I think, because that, the whole the technology point is kind of that, corrupted us, right? You're, I mean, the whole deal with this is that the Earth is overpopulated and whatnot. So if you have the money to afford nice things, then you've already gone off world. And so, yeah, this is so. There's something to that, but more to it is no one could figure out computers in. 70s and 80s. This is one of my favorite really Scott movies, if not my favorite. Yeah. The more I think about it, the more times I watch it, I think it's my I think it's my favorite. Uh because it really doesn't try to fit any kind of mold nope. of what a science fi- science fiction movie was at the time. It's so much about environment and atmosphere mm-hmm. and on top of a very compelling story, they just play off each other so well that it's such an original Vision, it's like a modern art piece to me, more than yeah. it is a blockbuster movie. And I'm really excited to see if Denny takes that approach with the new one, where it's just going to be all visuals and um, music that really accents that, as opposed to trying to make this into, I don't know, Mad Max Fury Road, mm-hmm. where it's just like trying to make it this huge, big thing. Right. Um, so, yeah, that, I think that's... How restrained it is is kind of shocking to mm-hmm. me. I, that, that's yeah. what um, sticks out. How, where do you rank this, Brian, in, in your really – I know you're a big Alien guy. You'd probably say that's his number one. Right? Yeah, Alien's probably – I think Alien is the best, and it's it's my favorite of his movies. But this is this is right on its heels, and this is more this is more important. This is more influential, I think. You Every, think? Yeah, I do. I think Alien's great, and I we talked about Alien a couple of months ago. Alien is the one I would probably oh, this, rather this one shot or rewatch. Yeah, so gosh. with the giant billboards. The billboard in the city. is such a yeah. cool. But again, so cool. Our computer monitors could uh-huh. not handle yeah. that. Yeah, couldn't do that. <laughs> couldn't do that. Um, I definitely would rather rewatch Alien than Blade Runner. I, I watch it more often than uh, than Blade Runner. But I think pretty much our entire view of science fiction now, thirty five years later has been influenced in some way or another by Blade Runner. I mean, this is, I think this is maybe the most influential science fiction movie of the, of the era. Uh, really? Yeah. I think everything, I think if you ever see a dystopian future mm-hmm. in a movie or such a sci-fi movie, but really, I mean, any kind of movie that goes in that direction, there are almost always elements that 
I think come directly from from Blade Runner and um, like the way that the future looks and the way that um, and the the darkness and the grimness of the whole thing and the way that the cities are built and uh, the technology and all these things. I think it all stems from from Blade Runner, and I think you see that when when you see. I'm always interested in like great filmmakers in what influenced them and stuff. And sometimes I get a little bogged with that because they'll always reference like some movie that no one's ever heard of. And I don't really, that doesn't, you know, okay, I don't care anymore. But like if you talk to Christopher Nolan or uh, Guillermo del Toro, or I'm sure uh, Denny or um, whoever, Duncan Jones or the Wachowskis, anybody who's made Mm. one of the great or the more um, seminal, um, sci-fi movies of, of the last 30 years they will all say that it that blade runner was a major influence maybe the major influence on on what they it do. certainly influenced at least the look and feel uh anime mm-hmm. uh, yes of the 90s. ghost in the shell ghost like, in the shell right, and, uh the matrix right yeah uh, that they definitely take yeah kind of inspiration from the the vastness of mm-hmm. and so maybe something a different like a, a RoboCop or yeah. a uh, a District Nine; those types of films yeah. really kind of play yeah. off the, the dystopian future right. Elysium aspect. Yeah, well, Elysium. Yeah, no, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, Elysium it's, is is a bad version ha- of this. I actually had it in my notes that it really this this movie like Elysium is really about the caste system of mm-hmm. upper class, lower yeah. class. Right. Well, and that's only gonna. I think. I think in we don't really know yet what obviously what like 30 years is going to look like in terms of, of, of sci-fi movies, let's say. But I think that the movies that have come out over the last 10, 15, 20, even 20 years, the matrix inception moon, uh, district nine, all these that have drawn influence from this movie now are going to be the movies that give influence to the next generation right. arrival, you know, the next generation of, of, uh, of filmmakers. And so this is, this is a movie that, it's, it, I mean, it's like this. It's Star Wars. It's Alien. Maybe Close Encounters um, are like, to me, are, are kind of like the sci-fi Mount Rushmore or the sci-fi royalty of like, uh-huh. these are the movies that are going to have an effect down the line a hundred years um, that maybe maybe the guy who's making a science fiction movie in 2045 has never seen or heard of Blade Runner, but he has seen whatever inception you know and that has influenced so it just carries on through the generations of a film i think it's much more important as a film uh for its influence than it is for its actual like what actually happens on screen that's what i mean when it's more of a statement an artistic statement than it mm-hmm. is a trying to tell a narrative sure. i mean i feel like the narrative is just a reason to do the cool visuals mm-hmm. and to create yeah. the world yeah the narrative is definitely on the back burner, especially in the original cut and some of the other, the final cut makes a little more, makes a lot more sense. I think I didn't watch the final cut this time around before I, I just watched the, the, the original theatrical, which is super confusing and stupid, but I appreciate that. Unlike George Lucas, Ridley gives us the option to watch whichever version we want. Um, he's not going to burn them in a, gosh, in a, a cleansing furnace. fire. Yeah. 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 Um, but the the final cut is a lot more is a lot clearer, I think, as far as what's happening within the narrative. The theatrical version gives you a little more um, sense of 
I don't know. It's it's cleaner, but it also is the weaker of of all the the various versions, the voiceovers and stuff like that. I think those help a lot the first time you've seen the movie. If you've never seen Blade Runner before, I would tell you to watch the theatrical release, mm-hmm. um, and then go back sometime later and watch the final cut or one of the other cuts, and and that doesn't have the the voiceover work in it, and get like a a deeper appreciation for the stuff that's happening um, kind of behind the scenes, I guess there is a, a the less s- obvious stuff anyway. Yeah. Again, this is about atmosphere. I mean, I feel like I know this world so well mm-hmm. because he doesn't just cut scene to scene dialogue to dialogue and there's stuff happening around them. I mean, he really does focus on the people in the streets, the, uh, the actual structure of the buildings, the fact that, you know, buildings really are a sign of success and that's, you know, how are we going to show that we're successful? We'll just build a taller skyscraper. Mm-hmm. That's the tallest one in the world. We'll just build one taller. Sure. And eventually, in this type of world with over 30 years projected here, it's just gotten so crazy that buildings are the world. And um, I don't think anything... Well, the fifth element is another huge mm-hmm. uh, yeah. influenced by this yeah. one yeah, movie, totally too. And very obvious. So, like Steven Spielberg a bit, R- really Scott loves the smoke. Let's mm-hmm. just fill every room with fog and yeah. just shoot a ton of light into it. And he accents that here by doing the neon lights, of course, and the big screens. And it's such a, uh, the word for it is cyberpunk. Yeah, mm-hmm. where, created that. Yeah, where it's uh, high technology mixed with low lower class uh, living conditions. Mm-hmm. So yeah. even though everybody's got a blaster pistol or whatever it is, they're still below the poverty line, right? And, and can't even afford to eat, right? We'll always be able to afford guns. We may not be able to afford food. Yeah, uh huh. That's yeah. That's about <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, to, just to kind of accent, we're going to talk about the plot and stuff because that's that's really, although it's not the main focus here, it really is strong, and I think it's it's worth talking about. It's it, it's there's a lot that we can talk about when it comes to that, but just just to touch on the atmosphere again is is, is the score. Mm-hmm. Uh, the score is highly heralded. I don't know if it actually won best original score. I know it was nominated that year um, for it, but. It doesn't exist like a typical score. I mean, we talk about this movie kind of existing on its own and not following tropes of previous sci-fi movies. Like, Star Wars came out before this movie. I mean, he could have just made right. his version of Star Wars with Harrison Ford as the lead, and it probably would have done pretty well. Uh, you know, set on Earth instead of set on mm-hmm. uh, in, in the galaxy or whatever it is. Uh, so the score here really does exist to add to atmosphere and kind of accent the surroundings and blend into the surroundings. Like there's, there's times where you can't tell if they, you know, the sound you're hearing is actually, you know, the city sounds or if it's like a synthesizer, it's just all kind of one big experience instead of like star Wars where here's what happened and John Williams is going to play over it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's kind of the the soundtrack. It, It really does feel like they captured it on set or something. There's just something super cerebral and, and fitting about, about the soundtrack and not to say it's super original because early sci-fi movies have these electronic sounds and synthesizers and all that. But yeah, this just did it in a different, in a really different and effective way that 
I know Vangelis or whatever aren't aren't doing the new Blade Runner, but I'm excited to see where the new composer can take Mm -hmm. the precedent set here. I mean, uh, Stranger Things, obviously influenced by the Blade Runner score. It it, it can be that type of score. I'm I'm usually not a fan of it. The electronic score. Yeah, same here. It can be bad. Speaking of RoboCop and kind of the early Verhoeven stuff is just riddled with 80s. And James Cameron is the same way with 80s um, synthesizer sounds. But this this almost sounds orchestral Mm -hmm. in, in a way. And it's not. I think part of what makes it work too is it's not very clean. No, it's like it. Yep. It doesn't because this movie Fits that exactly, exactly. This movie as well. a whole doesn't really fit. It's a little dissonant. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't really fit. Uh, you know what you expect from sci-fi, and I think that's part of why it struggled with audiences is because this is a post-Star Wars world, and this movie is very pre-Star Wars in a lot of ways. And so, but the 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 score goes along with that very well it just it does what it wants to do and it's not um necessarily driving you one direction or another like we typically get in a you know a big movie score like this there's no real fanfare yeah yeah hey ma'am fam question for you do you own a small business or are you a boss are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Also, we need to talk about the uh, replicant human scenario. So basically, the, the... the bigger corporation has created the replicants. They're they're essentially human humanoids mm-hmm. that are indistinguishable from humans for the most part, and they have to go through this test in order to determine if they're truly a replicant. Later, after they've already been manufactured and then banished for, I guess, rebelling or right. turning rogue right. on the they're uh, not allowed on Earth. Earth. Right? They've yeah. been they're they're done. And Harrison Ford is. A, a cop slash quote unquote Blade Runner, whose unit is assigned to get rid of the remaining replicants or make sure that they don't come back or mm, yeah. aren't wreaking any more havoc, and that leads to some really poignant and existential conversation between him and whoever he's interrogating uh, to find out if the replicants. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy that. Ex Machina reminds me of those yeah. scenarios. Yeah, the Turing test. The Turing test. Thing, yeah. uh, I love that about this. And the whole movie could have been that to me. It's just him interviewing these people and trying to find himself and mm-hmm. find out who's who. But again, the setting and atmosphere just adds so much to a really compelling storyline. Yeah. No, I agree. That's a. It makes for an interesting. That I, I'm with you. I would. I would watch a whole movie about that stuff. I think it's really cool the way that that, that it is set up, and that the questions are so out there and kind of weird. 
um, adds to the ambiance of the whole movie. It uh, asks another question in terms of memories being implanted. Mm-hmm. If these people, replicants, whatever, have these memories implanted and they think that they're like the only thing that they know is yeah. is what their memory is, how is that not real? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, no, if no, you remember something that happened yeah. to you in third grade and it turns out it never happened to you, it was just a bad dream you had in third grade, but you remember it so vividly, like, yes, it right. affected me so much throughout the rest of my life. Right. Um, who are, who's somebody to tell you that that didn't happen? Yeah, the, the best. <laughs> That's I've... what he's telling her. No, that didn't happen. She's like, yeah, it definitely did. It's in my memories. Yeah. Like, nope. The best sci-fi operates is sort of uh, philosophical questioning or sometimes answers to the really good stuff. Um, and this movie definitely, that's where it's even superior to something like Star Wars, where it actually mm-hmm. makes you question, um, you know, sort of existential questions, where, right, whereas right. instead of just kind of a space opera. But as we as we watch here, we see noted sane person showing up. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is kind of the peak for her, unfortunately. Uh, okay. <laughs> Einhorn and Finkel. She's great as, you know, the replicant that can't accept the fact that she is yeah. not human. She's great in this movie. She's, she's really she's, she's the she second was. best performance of the movie, yeah. I think. Behind first, Rutger Hauer. Yeah, first. Rutger Hauer. Awesome. Rutger's Rutger makes this movie. I love Harrison Ford. We're all big Harrison yeah. Ford fans. There's some debate as to um how good his performance is in this movie. Um and I think he's I've I've always felt like he's very good in it, but the movie drops significantly without uh, mm-hmm. Rucker Hauer's performance because he's so he's so creepy but not in a not in a seedy way yeah. I guess and um, it just seems so natural and real and yet at the same time there's like this there's something to what he does on screen that makes you, that that leads you to know at all times that he is a replicant like if you didn't know that he was a replicant mm-hmm. from you know being called a replicant and you know the whole storyline and stuff you would guess that he is because there's something that's just one you know millimeter off about his demeanor but he's so good at it i completely agree there's there's subtlety in the casting that's purposeful in order to kind of lead the audience on who is replicant which makes the kind of big question at the end of about deckard even more in question, mm-hmm. even though it's been confirmed multiple times, uh, the especially, end, which we'll talk about, especially but, by the new movie, <laughs> at yeah, least so we know. Gosh. I mean, who knows? There could yeah. be. We'll see. I I'm, I want to talk about the new movie too, and kind of what uh, what will happen with that. It's funny. Um, Deckard has been interviewing replicants, or he's been doing his job for so long of being a Blade Runner that there's that scene where he's like reading classical music. Mm-hmm. Because it's so human that surely a machine couldn't yeah. write a, a symphony, and he's just so so desperate for humanity yep. in this world of machines. It seems like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Uh, even reading it, not even listening to it, right. gives him that kind yeah. of pleasure of um, right. That's, what a real person is. That's the the question. He's or questioning the himself. Yeah. yeah, for as far as his character is. Is he is he a replicant who doesn't know he's a replicant, or is he a human who has 
trying to or who has lost his humanity mm. and is trying to rediscover that or, or he, hold on to whatever's right. left of it or he or he's a human character who used to be so cold-blooded and now he's starting to have feelings and doesn't know how to sure deal with that i relate to that <laughs> oh, obviously <laughs> and there, that, that's kind of accented in the scene where he goes to buy booze yeah and he's just totally frazzled i mean that's one of the more iconic scenes in the movie for no other reason than it's raining outside, there's tons of neon around. Harrison mm-hmm. Ford's waiting in line. He goes up to buy booze. She gives him like a, you know, handle of vodka or whatever it is. And he's like, I don't think this is enough. Like he's just <laughs> right. trying to, right. to drown his sorrows or feelings of lack of humanity in this. They they, they play uh, the homage, not the homage, but the um, the satire or the um, kind of when they have the chess game. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of this entire thing. It's just a slow version of chess. And that, Richard, I don't know if you've heard of when, or you remember when Gary Kasparov played the computer, mm-hmm. uh, Deep Blue. Maybe that's uh, referencing that sure. in some way, where uh, uh, surely a computer will always be a human in uh, mm-hmm. in chess because they're it's yeah. so mathematical yeah. that. Uh, I don't know. Is is there a version, Brian? This is probably my biggest question. I have not looked into this at all. I've seen this movie, you know, maybe half a dozen times, but I haven't really uh, looked into the theology or anything like that, kind of the mythos behind it. But was there not any kind of test, definitive test for replicants? Is it, Was there nothing distinguishing them from humans where they can just do some kind of scan? Yeah. Well, or, I mean, they had that little just, serial number thing where, uh, you know, they're using the microscope in the movie and they can see the kind of the serial number on right. somebody. But it seems to me like there would have been some kind of biological something that would be able to, you know, if they, if it's like Terminator and their whole entire insides are metal. Right. Really, yeah, they no, let's go through some kind of x-ray. Yeah. Like, you're a replicant. That's <laughs> never that's never touched on in these, beyond the test. That's the that's the way that they determine. They're on asking questions. Um, that's the only way that they could do that. And they, I think that's very purposeful to never show, even when, like, um, Joanna Cassidy's character, when she, when, when Deckard guns her down or when Leon gets gunned down, you know, they, they're bleeding everywhere and stuff, but you never see... Uh, you never see like the interior never see. And I think that's done on purpose to like keep the illusion of these replicants. Literally they are, they look and act and seem exactly like a regular human would. Um, And that's, that's the, the intent I think. Yeah. Maybe a plot hole in a way, but not really. It it adds to it. It adds. There's a lot of things in the narrative, especially the original cut that you can, you can say that's a plot hole or that's a miss or something like that. That one to me is more right here. It just creates the, the atmosphere, you know, they're both walking away and it's just like, all right, here's some bike riders, uh some flames. Yeah. There's no real reason to show this, but yeah, but it, I think it just it looks, it looks awesome. The whole, yeah, exactly, <laughs> it looks cool, and it's meant to build the atmosphere and the ambiance. Mm-hmm. I, I and it does this. that extremely effectively. I think I'm excited to see Denny's world oh just from gosh. the trailers yeah. alone. It looks yeah. great. Mm-hmm. I think this would be a a really good TV series. Yeah, why have they not explored that? Why yeah. have they not explored a sequel prior to right now? Yeah, that's I true. mean, they explored it, but why well, have they not done it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it didn't make a lot of money. It made three million dollars, I think. It was a, it was right. Like a, it's a twenty eight. It's a twenty eight million dollar movie yeah. that made thirty three million dollars or something. Right, cult classic. But you would have thought they would have tried to reboot this uh, somewhere before thirty years later. Right, because it is so. 
heralded uh, and and uh, influential. Mm-hmm. I think a prequel series would be a lot of fun. I, I'm I've been on record of like I'm I'm really excited about Blade Runner twenty forty nine because it looks great and I love the cast and I love Denny, but I am against it just in principle because it answers the the fundamental question yeah. of this whole stinking movie, and so like that is a little bit Maybe frustrating though. to me. Yeah, I mean I'm Maybe sure they can come up replicant. with some right with some <laughs> bit, but. Um, it's, so maybe that's part of it, but I think part of it is it didn't, it didn't, this movie didn't make a, uh, an impact at least on the masses for like 10 years until after it had been released. Then it became a cult classic and, um, and then went from, went from there, but really Scott's always been very protective of it as well. And so maybe that's, that's part of the deal. Well, he's constantly... He's tinkering with it tinkering all the time. With it, yeah. So he can't yeah. have anyone do anything else. Yeah. He's like, oh, that would ruin my director's cut right. 17. Right. So much of this movie is This about- is the best boy's cut. He has his own <laughs> cut of it. Key grips cut. Just working our best way. Best boy. Gaffer cut. <laughs> the craft service. Uh, so much of the movie is about <laughs> eyes, too. Yeah. It's yeah. this eyes I factory. Yeah. And uh, the, a big death in the movie ends up happening where he's just crushes the guy's eyes out with mm-hmm. his mm-hmm. thumbs. Oh, there's the nothing glowing more human eye than thing an eye. is one of the coolest effects I've uh-huh. ever seen in a movie, still to this yeah. day. I mean, this movie's 35 years old, and that um, the way that they highlight all the replicants have the, you know this glowing eye uh, specialty is really cool. It's creepy at times, too, but it's, re- it's so well done, and it, it just adds to um, the feeling that this movie's trying to communicate, I think. Yeah, I, I guess we could talk about kind of the ending, but to me, this movie really operates based on the principle, I think, therefore I am. Mm, Sure. If I believe it to be true, it's true. Yeah. Uh, And that leads to the end when Harrison Ford Deckard essentially finds out that he is, or could be a replicant. Uh, He has a dream sequence er earlier in the movie about a unicorn, Pegasus. Mm, Unicorn. Unicorn. And... And that's not in the theatrical it, cut either. Okay, that's just and the, and that's why I was asking because I know Ridley's commented on it before, and uh, he finds an origami left behind mm-hmm. of that to essentially say that was a manufactured memory mm-hmm. instead right. of something that you had. Like uh, right, and uh, Ridley said, I think um, I don't remember what it was. Maybe it was a in the junket for another movie, but he's like, yeah, he finds out he's a replicant at the end of the movie. And that was the end. Like he's, he's kind of never really shied away from it. I kind of tend to fall on the side of he's not. And he just thinks he is, but, um, to him to definitively say he is, it was kind of shocking. Yeah. And I think that's a little bit it, of, of, he shouldn't have done that. I mean, just yeah. leave it open. <laughs> right. I think that's a little bit of alternative history. I don't know that that, it's this movie had a really interesting production because Harrison Ford and, and Ridley Scott clashed pretty much from day one. Like they just didn't get that along. Doesn't sound like the Harrison Ford. <laughs> and and part of the part of the problem was when when Ford took the script, he told Ridley Scott, "Okay, I'll do this, but I not if I'm not going to do the replicant thing. Like you're not going to make this character a replicant." And then pretty much immediately Ridley Scott starts hinting around that maybe he's going to be a replicant. And so it's almost as if, and you, I feel like you can kind of see this in the movie, especially in the voiceovers and the narration and stuff. Harrison Ford is like fighting against what, um, Ridley Scott is trying to make that character 
become. And so, so in 35 years out, we've now got Ridley Scott saying, oh yeah, he's definitely a replicant, but Harrison Ford continues to say he's not a replicant. And so it just adds yeah. to this he refuses to believe it. This debate, I guess. I think it's more interesting. I wish I'm with you. I wish that he would not have said he is a replicant because that it, to me that takes away a little bit from what's actually happening in the movie. Like the the ambiguity of it and the the potential and the debate and all that is much more interesting if you don't have yeah. a definitive answer. And, and it's a question of how much of his memory is manufactured because, you know, the whole kind of plot of the movie is that these replicants are about to die because they only last four years or whatever it is. And they're trying to get their lives extended. So mm-hmm. does he, like you said, old Harrison Ford in 2049, does that prove that replicants, right. some replicants can live to be right. whatever and age normally and be a person or essentially a person that can live forever. Yeah. But we know that she, that, um, what's her, Rachel, the, uh-huh. the Sean Young character, she is a special design. And so she okay. potentially has mm-hmm. no expiration date. We don't really know. That's kind of left up to the imagination. So it's possible that Deckard is, is that same way too. I'm of the opinion that he is a replicant. Um, but I, again, I like that it's, it's just kind of left up to us and it's never specifically said one way or the other if you watch the the final cut and most of the cuts i think just not the the original theatrical has that daydream sequence where he's dreaming of the unicorn and then he doesn't know what that Uh he doesn't seem to understand what that's about so that would lead you to believe that it's that's an implanted memory um there's a couple of times where one of the the uh james edward almost all almost character uh, says a couple of things to him that could be he talks about um, about man, and I think that that could be spun to say that he knows that Deckard is a replicant. Uh-huh. The origami unicorn at the end, you can take it either way. You can take it as that's Edward James Almost's character basically leaving a calling card saying, I could have come here and killed her, but I didn't. You're Basically, I'm going to leave you alone. Just go and live your life. Or you could take it as uh, that character has read Deckard's uh, file the way that he's read Rachel's file and knows yeah. that that unicorn bit is is an implanted memory. Um, the big one to me that isn't that is in the theatrical cut that makes the most sense is at some point the um, Deckard's boss references Rucker Howard's character as he's a he's the bad one, mm-hmm. and at some point in the movie, then Rucker Howard's character says to Deckard, aren't you supposed to be the good one? And it's the way that th- it's just the way that those two um, sentences are phrased that makes you think that, uh, that, that Howard knows that Deckard is a replicant um, and at least leads to an interesting idea, an interesting thought. Yeah. And I guess Deckard at the end of the movie, I mean, when he finds that out, he's really at peace because he's got the memories and this is more about the value of, memories and humanity where are these replicants just as human as us if they have the same memories as we do sure Um, what is the value of life and Mm -hmm. what is humanity all those questions are sort of raised right but i think this movie exists more to ask questions and to answer questions and that's why like you said 2040 blade runner 2049 is a bit of a question mark is i don't need any of those questions answered i like my blade runner the way it is and um, what are the odds that Ryan Gosling is a replicant or is a Blade mm-hmm. Runner that ends up being, they just do the same yeah. thing. Yeah. You know, I think that's pretty likely. 
Um, I would have liked my Blade Runner 2049 to not have Harrison Ford and just do Blade Runner with Ryan Gosling. Yeah, I would have been fine with that. Uh, we'll see how he's used in it, but what are your kind of predict? First of all, Richard, what are your thoughts on Blade Runner? Like, I don't feel like we've, uh, yeah, we've cut your full thoughts on this movie. No, I love Blade Runner. It's one I discovered, uh, with some friends. It wasn't, I didn't watch it as a kid or anything, uh, but saw it in high school or something as some friends just kind of like, uh, some... 80s sci-fi movie. We didn't really know how to contextualize it, you know, with Ridley and all that stuff. And then was like, well, this is really cool and good. And then watched it alone uh, a couple years later or a couple months later. And it's always been a favorite. But yeah, I'm pumped for the sequel. I'm, 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 uh, I'm a little nervous, but it looks, I mean, visually, I mean, Deacons looks like he's just shot the, it's just as, as an aesthetic piece of work, it's going to be worth it. But Mm -hmm. We'll see if uh, we'll see how they how they ration. I think there'll be a twist or two with the Harrison Ford character sure. still. Yeah, I don't think they'd have him. Agree. As big of a part of the trailer if there wasn't a twist or two coming. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe his son will kill him. Like just like Star Wars, the exact same. <laughs> um, he just then Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, every time just keeps going back to his old. Shia kills him with a paper bag. <laughs> so I am not famous, Brian. If it, guys, if you were to rank the the I mean, aside from the President of the United States, uh, the, the iconic Harrison Ford roles, uh, Get off Han, Han Solo, Deckard, or Indiana Jones. Well, Six Days and Seven Nights. I'm mm-hmm. talking about the right. Mosquito Coast. The yeah. top three. I, I know, we know there are more iconic roles. <laughs> well, those aren't my top three. Sorry. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think this is definitely the third. As far as his performance yeah. and yeah. his character and stuff, it really is kind of a... It's like a sci-fi version of, or like a a hard drinking, depressed Indiana Jones kind of. Like he's not really doing anything different in this movie, um, as much as maybe he thinks he is, as compared to like Indiana Jones and Han Solo. I think. I just don't think he was there in his career yet. I, I feel like. Yeah. So it's it's still like I mean I, I love I love the movie I love the character. I think he is secondary or or third to what's actually important about the movie whereas indiana jones sucks if you put anybody else in that role i think you know and and uh, star wars kind of the same thing yeah man i would have i would have liked to seen this movie with a kurt russell or a clint eastwood or you know another kind of rugged badass male sure uh, in the lead i i mean maybe it was kind of a just obvious for harrison ford to be in this yeah who he was at the time but the, the interestingly to me this guy's straight out of back to the future with the <laughs> one of the goons with biff yeah. one of biff's goons is yeah, in this movie gosh. they threw him in a garbage pit and just dusted him off to be in uh this this Dude, was before that the machines in this guy's house are so creepy so cool uh-huh. and effective but um, Dustin Hoffman was the original choice to be okay. Deckard. And I thought originally, like when I read that, I was like, that sounds stupid and terrible because he's such, and even he said, he was like, I don't know why they'd want to cast me in that because I'm not really known for actiony type things. But what, one of the things that makes, and, and it's especially at the end, the whole third act basically, um, is a showdown between Deckard and, um, dude, what's the, what's Rucker Hauer's name? I keep referencing him and not saying the character's name uh regardless the the showdown between those two shows the difference in the physicality between a replicant and a human being or at least somebody who thinks he's a human being Mm -hmm. and 
really, in truth, Deckard's not so much of a, a physical... Roy Batty. Roy Batty. Deckard's not so much of a, like, a physical presence as he is, like, he's just, he's good at his job. He's good at tracking people down and then, you know, putting them down with, with the gun. So it actually would have been, I think, interesting seeing Hoffman in that role. That would have... I think that would have added to the difference between Batty and Decker just from a from a physicality standpoint. It would have been really interesting. I think it's the coolest gun in film history. Yeah, it's a cool coolest gun, pistol man. ever. It's a cool gun. It yeah. is cool. Um so the lasting influence of Blade Runner, the question is how well does it hold up? It holds up very well, nostalgia filled, but also futuristic, but also neo noir cyberpunk uh-huh. it has, it's really gorgeous uh, i don't have a blu-ray version of this i need it it's a great um, i need yeah. i need to i would get a 4k tv that comes out in this yeah the, um, there's a 4k rest restored version that i think came out this week awesome so if you're interested in that. I, I have a i would definitely be my first batch yeah <laughs> i have an awesome um box set that has i think five versions of the film and three discs and wow. great cover art and stuff like that and it's it's really it's a really great set just one you're surprised that how much variation is there in the five versions i've not seen at, i think two of the versions i've seen the theatrical cut the fake director's cut that came out in like 91 or something and then the final cut there's a european version and then there was i think there's one that's in between 91 and 2007 mm-hmm. or whatever Key grips cut <laughs> exactly yeah craft, uh, service craft services special cut just really highlights all the sandwiches <laughs> um the Jap- japanese restaurant scenes like two hours long <laughs> yeah yeah so there there is a there's some noticeable difference there's not a lot it's that that unicorn sequence is the biggest tell okay. and then the voiceovers are cut out in some of the versions okay. and so it's this one does not have the voiceover right. so this is probably it, the final cut okay yeah if this one does that yeah. so um scott and the guy who produced it got fired right after they finished the movie and the uh executives from the studio came in and tried to like cut it all together and that's when they brought in harrison ford to do the voiceovers and then after all that they're like we still can't get this together we've got to and brought scott back in to, to do it all I've heard them say that the original cut was four hours long, and everybody who watched it was like, "This is breathtaking." I have no freaking clue what's happening; like, it's incomprehensible. And so, I want to see that version. Yeah, yeah. That that should be the director's cut. It's the I. You always hear about four-hour cuts of movies; they mm-hmm. never come out. I just really no, love to no. see yeah to see that most of the time. The pictures are another big giveaway uh-huh. if, if you believe that deckard is a is a replicant the picture element because he's super obsessed with the pictures is a big part of uh his yeah this is the final cut because i think this is the yeah here's the daydream well there's a lot um, i love this a lot movie. of a lot a lot of a lot a lot a lot of stuff to talk about with this one. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about it more. We'll talk so. about it more with, with 2049 yeah. on the main feed. I think we got and a guest for that one too. I think that uh, 2049 is both going to answer questions and also um, it's going to answer questions and also uh, bring some questions forward to the table probably about this one and about its own movie. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he was playing piano and we just didn't get that scene where he's got the classical music in the pictures. Yeah, uh, I would like to see Harrison Ford dabble on some, some tickle those ivories. All right, I'm gonna give this movie an A plus. 
I, I really enjoy it. Um, maybe my one complaint would be the technology mm. doesn't hold up super well, but that's very typical with these. Johnny Walker Black, though, he's down. Yeah, yeah. Official, cool bottle. Dr- yeah. official drink of Saddam Hussein. <laughs> <laughs> Little trivia question for you there, um, Brian. Are you going to grade this? Yeah, it's an A plus for me. And the only other thing that I would mention that we we didn't touch on is I love. I think one of the things that sets this apart from other. We've seen a lot of like movies where the android or the robot or whatever comes to life and gains uh, like intelligence or whatever. Mm-hmm. But usually it comes to life and then it just tries to kill all humans to take over the world or for whatever reason. I like that this one is adding that element where they, they're all going to expire in four years and, and die. I think adds some something to the narrative and also kind of makes them – more sympathetic and more um, like human even that the the whole point of, of Roy Batty is he's just trying to stay alive. That's literally all he's trying to do. And so I think that makes this, that portion of the film a lot more, it resonates more than like something like iRobot would, you know, or something, something in that vein. So it's it's an A plus for me. Richard, how about you? I'm going to go A plus as well. A plus, a classic. Triple A plus. It's an absolute classic. And, um, we get to see Bautista in the new one. Mm-hmm. Jared Leto has a role, I'm mm-hmm. sure, of some kind of replicant villain of some he, kind. He literally got, I'm not kidding. This is I not know, a joke. I saw Did this. you see this? I know exactly what you're going to say. He literally <laughs> lived as a blind person for <laughs> kids' <laughs> eyes, man. He looked like Jared Leto. That yeah. stunned me. He's method. Frozen. He went method. He's literally He's Robert Downey's character worst, from Tropic man. Thunder. <laughs> He's he literally so that. Okay, triple A plus from us here. Uh, if you want more episodes like this, we have a VIP feed. We do almost yeah, yeah. almost once a week. We do a throwback conversation of some kind, and uh, that's available on our website. Click on VIP Club or Patreon.com slash That About Movies. That starts at one dollar a week for those episodes. Month, one dollar a week. Oh, four dollars a four dollars a month. One dollar a week. Uh, trying to break it down for them. It's a lot easier <laughs> to get rid of that 99 cent burrito yeah, a week. Um, you don't need that Taco Bell anymore. You don't need that. Actually, I do. I do. I'm yeah. about to go get some. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Patreon.com slash MadAboutMovies for that feed. And mm-hmm. uh, But thanks for listening yeah. to this. And we'll do, we'll do Blade Runner 2 or Blade Runner 2049 on this feed as well. So don't worry about that. Uh, but where can we find you online, Brian? You can find me on the Twitter at BGill12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. RB, where can I find you? You can find me on all the socials that you wish to. We're talking We're talking Live Journal, Flickr, Flickr, all the big ones, all the big players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good so, reads. Live, yeah. At- Live Journal and Flickr. <laughs> Just huge in the Flickr community. Yeah. yeah. Our biggest patrons get access to Richard Zenga from high school. Mm-hmm. That would be worth the price of admission, <laughs> which I'm sure can be found somewhere. I'm trying to find yeah. it. Zenga.com uh, slash RB13. Yep. It's got to be what it is. It is. How do you know? How is Zenga? Because I followed you on Zenga, bro. What a memory. It's not there anymore. They finally took him down. Man. There is Zenga 2.0. They took him down? That one kilobit of data they had to take down? (laughs) Yep. Man. Man. Uh, Well, anyway. um, You can find me on all social media, and you can't work, and I find you. Uh, You can find me on all social media as well, at Kent Garrison on all platforms, pretty much. Uh, Find us on iTunes. Hit subscribe. Again, thanks for listening. And until next time, we'll see you 
in the future. Yeah. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegs. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. What is a boy to do? 